Escape from Plan A. I don't know. This is uh, this is Teen. I'm with um, Peter. How's it going, Peter? Hey, good. I just know you as the young Lee Kuan Yew. I think that's your <laughs> profile pick. In the I don't know what that says about you. You're semi-authoritarian. Well, a little uh, hero worship never hurt, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I should start doing this, man. Just be like, you know what? I'm just gonna start doing pods with people in the Discord and inc- entice people to to sign up. By like, you know, just I'll, I'll just make it a challenge. Like, if you can defeat me in a podcast, you can t- you can have the podcast is yours. <laughs> <laughs> like Highlander, there can only be one. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so you you literally so we we you and I had a interesting uh, exchange on Discord about a subject that I'm actually very interested in, but I so up to this point have not really talked about because. I think it's a very personal issue and I've never, you know, we talk a lot about like politics and shit and I've never wanted to mix parenting issues with politics because that's not my thing. I, I I just think it's completely within the realm of the personal. But then lately I've just been talking personal shit on the pod because <laughs> I'm so sick of politics. And then you and I had this very interesting exchange about kids and having kids and there you are right now with your first kid, your two month old in your lap right now, it seems like, right? Yeah, that's right. They might make a might make a guest appearance on the pod. Who knows if he wakes up in a bit? But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah. I already said this, but congratulations! That's Thank super you. exciting, incredibly exciting. Uh, Thanks, anytime I hear that, yeah. Um, so you said, I th- I guess like in December is when you had your first kid. What's the experience? I'm so curious. What's the experience been like for the past two months? Has it been overwhelming for you, or has it? been less horrible than people have said in terms of the sleep uh yeah i mean blowing your mind that kind of thing yeah i mean you know the caveat here is i think we were were kind of playing on easy mode um because we had the grandparents come up and literally just like stay with us for uh, a month and a half two months Mm -hmm. um and uh and now you know we found a, a local babysitter through some friends who's been really great um she's had two kids of her own they're in their teens now so she's kind of getting to to relive the whole baby experience now um she actually immigrated from china about six months ago so it's been kind of interesting um just to hear her experiences here but also obviously she had a bunch of experience just with all the challenges raising a baby herself so with that said um you know, because we were able to have all this help, you know, I've, it's been great. I'm, you know, really pumped. Um, we, uh, obviously sleep is a challenge. Logistics are a challenge. Every couple of, I don't know, it feels like every two weeks or so, you know, you get a whole different baby. Uh, you know, he goes to sleep and there's a firmware upgrade overnight and he's just mm. behaving differently, Incredible. different sleep cycle, different, yeah. you know, new behaviors. You know, he, he learned to like, uh, start to reach out and like swat at toys now. Uh, so so you're, it's thing. like a real time you can real-time track like progress in, in in development and stuff right for sure yeah. um and you know so you know backing up you know, you're talking about this being like a very personal thing and um and you know i agree like there I, i'm i'm not gonna be shy you know i i am semi-normative about this i think that on the margin probably more people should consider um parenting and things like that but there's a ton of you know personal variation my wife and i um got married you know a little bit later than i think we would have liked um took a little longer to have kids than we'd like um and so for us this has been a real joy that's kind of a long time coming and so it wasn't one of these things where i was like totally blindsided by the idea of being a father you know this is something that we've both wanted for a while and having that in fruition in my arms been been really great yeah Yep. I, I, I'm with you. I'm actually more on the normative side of I think people should have kids, even though I don't. I'm, I am, um, well, I guess I'm a little... But there's little... so much. There's so much personal stuff, right? So, you know, different circumstances, you know, biology gets in the way. So, you know, uh, people's life paths get in the way. So I'm very hesitant to say to any specific person, yo, what are you doing? Right? Um, but I'm thinking of just more in general, like, how are people thinking about this? How is this sort of generally socially perceived? Yeah, I mean, because I do, I do think, man, like I don't have numbers on this. I mean, I know the fertility rate is down, and that's number of kids that couples are having on average. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what the rate of like you know the full on no kids thing is. I-, I assume it's actually still fairly low, but probably rising. I don't. I have no idea. I've never. I've never looked it up. But my yeah, instinct the... tells me it's probably low, but rising. Yeah, I mean, a good part of it is also. It's not just uh, you know people who get married and don't want to have kids. A lot of it is people just not getting married or getting married later, right? Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a nat- that that naturally is kind of a headwind uh, to a lot of this stuff. So you know there are people who are like very you know principled antinatalists. You know I don't want to bring a kid into this world and have to go through all this suffering or something like that. Um, there's philosophical uh, approaches to this, but I think a lot of it is also just it's hard. You know there's barriers, there's fit, you know, just practical headwinds. And if you don't um, go out of your way to kind of make it happen, it's becoming just less and less the default. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like, we were talking about the sort of pros and cons of, you know, modern parenting. And there's plenty of arguments on both sides. I mean, if we're looking at it from a purely... You know, a lot of this stuff, like it gets pretty, uh, it gets pretty aspy, like in the in 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 discussions <laughs> online, and we start talking about children as investments and what's the ROI and stuff. I think it's tongue in cheek. That's pretty messed up, man. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think it's tongue in cheek, but I think that is kind of how things go online and 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 whatever. Uh, but um, I mean, setting aside that, because I do think that stuff actually did make. Um, Uh, a lot of that stuff did influence me in terms of, I would say being fairly uh, set, like fairly convinced that I'm never going to have kids. Just because it would, you know, college is so expensive. You don't know whether, you know, they're not going to pay off financially and things like that. Yeah. And just like, um, just the, like, I almost feel like, um, if I were to have kids that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure like they would without a doubt be like number one priority in my life. Right. Like no, 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 if standard ands or but about that. Sure. Now that means that I essentially, they have become a liability where, you know, they're, you know, like in those, like um, in those movies where, you know, Darth Vader wants to like, you know, wants to catch luke skywalker and they're like you'll never find him and they'll and he's like yeah but i'll just i'll just catch someone he loves <laughs> you know so it's like um it's it's an it's a thing that i i kind of feel um that actually i'm curious what you think about this now that you're you because you, you're you're holding your baby in your hands right is um you know do you feel like vulnerable at all in the sense that like the you know you're, you you could basically be made to do anything if if, if the safety or well being of your of your child was at stake. Do you know? Does that does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, I I remember um, you know the the day or two after uh, he he was born, and I uh, I've kind of had this thought in my head. You know, that well, one more hostage to fortune, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one more way that you know if he had a fatal disease, you know, if he had something, uh, you know, he just fell and hurt himself. Like that's something that's, uh, going to shoot up to number one priority, you know, drop everything else. Uh, this is, this is where your attention is. Um, and I think that's, that's definitely true, right? There's, there's no getting away from that. Um, you're, you're locked into more, more upside and more downside and you can't get, you can't get away from that downside. Um, I would note though, that like people had, way more kids back when child mortality was uh, was much higher. Um, you think about all these traditions about, uh, you know, we're having, so we have a local Chinese organization, we're doing like a hundred day celebration uh, for this guy. So, uh, you know, a little three months afterwards. Um, and, you know, these days it's just kind of a whatever, you know, you dress him up in red, you can play the game where like, oh, what kind of career do you do? Do you reach for the stethoscope? Do you reach for the basketball? Do you know that thing? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Do you reach for the gun? Do you reach for the... Uh, <laughs> the money. Sur- yeah. Go for the money. Go for the, Go money. For the money, kid. Um, but like, where did that come from? It came because that's the time where you're like, oh, okay, he's probably going to make it, right? Before then, we don't know. Yeah. Um, 
You mean to 100 yeah. days as a marker of like, yeah, the kid is probably going to survive. Probably going to make it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. There was a one of my friends who's a old-time Polish immigrant uh, in the U.S. You know, had a, had a great grandmother who's you know, getting a little demented, and she was asking about, oh, her, you know, her various grandkids. Said, oh, and how old is, you know, how old is Cindy now? And she's like, oh, 17. And you know, she she sort of looked, oh, she'll probably make it then. Yeah, <laughs> 17 years old. So, I mean, that was life for most people, you know, um, yeah. people had to live under, under that tragedy. And I can't imagine, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the fortitude it took to just kind of keep on, keep on plowing through, um, in the face of that kind of thing. Though I suspect that there was a different attitude towards things back then. It, like back then, uh, it's true. Like a lot, like, I think a lot of people, my parents' generation, they were born in like the forties, 1940s. First of all, they were all huge families. They grew up in, uh, Taiwan. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, they were all in Taiwan. It was like five, six kids are pretty, you know, all my friends from Taiwan, they have like loads and loads of aunts and uncles on both sides. Yeah. And it was very common. Yeah, my dad's one of four. Yeah, one of four, right? That's probably, that's even on the smaller side, I think. Probably. Like, you know, and so many of them, it turns out, have like a lost sibling or two, mm-hmm. you know, um, one miscarriage you know died young some of them died in their like you know when they were like 10 or 11 from a childhood disease or whatever it was not uncommon they don't really talk about it right unless something comes up or you kind of i mean they don't talk about it often but it's not like some painful secret they're like oh yeah yeah you had a we there was a you know we we lost one you know yeah um and there's a certain casualness to it that I'm not saying they take the death of the child casually. I'm just saying that um I I I feel like in a way things were a little bit less intense even though objectively speaking we're talking about things like, you know, um the survivability of of young children, that's a very intense subject. But I don't know. I, I still get this overall feeling that somehow, for some reason, mm. the intensity dial has gone up in terms of the, you know, how much, uh, and I'm talking not about any individual person or whatever. I'm just talking about like what seems to be a sort of cultural shift. You're talking about towards parenting. Towards parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Where. Yeah, I, I almost feel like a lot of parents are living vicariously through their kids that their involvement. I mean, even the difference, let's not even talk about my parents' generation, people born, born I was born in the late seventies, but like people born, um, people like people, my age or my generation, uh, you know, we, I think if we were to really take a hard look at the difference between the way we were raised versus how we are raising our children, it's a, it's a significant shift in terms of like how much involvement parents have in the lives of their children. Where when I was like a teenager, my parents basically had no idea what the fuck I was up to. All I, all I had, I was like a public corporation. I just had four (laughs) quarterly reports, you know, and that's it. And as long as those looked good, my stock price was, it was fine, you know, And and the management was allowed to do whatever the hell I wanted to do. Um, but now, you know, it's not just the parents, but like it's almost like the schools expect this the parents to do that. And uh, you know, I'm watching my nephew. My one of my nephews now is um, going to be going to college next year, and he got into his first choice school. He's very excited and nice. and all this stuff. But my sister was like, "It's you know, it, it's a full time fucking job to to manage their high school." academic career to get them primed for college admission competitive college admissions you know and and uh it just didn't seem to be that way when i was when i was younger yeah i mean one thing that we definitely uh you know my wife and i've had this conversation before and you know we want to be the the sort of the chill biodeterminist parents you know it doesn't matter if you play classical music in the womb it doesn't matter if you read to them you know you, you do all these twin studies um where you look at, you know, adopted twins, they, they get adopted into different families. And basically none of the stuff that people think matters really matters um, in terms of outcomes, in terms of outcomes that they can measure, right? Things like income, things like um, educational attainment. Um, so, Are you yeah, saying I genetic mean, determinism is a stronger force than we like to think? Or 
I think so. I don't think it's 100%. I think mm-hmm. there are subtle things that don't really fall out of a psychology survey very well, right? Like, what are your attitudes towards family? You know, what are your attitudes towards um, your role in society? Um, how much are you going to stand up for yourself or not? You know, so, like some of these things are subtle. And, uh, you know, psychology studies can really only do things that you can mark off a checkbox, right? So what's your income? Did you go to college? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, people put a ton of effort into things that they think are going to help their baby get to college or whatever, right? Baby Mozart, um, uh, extracurricular activities. And, you know, we, we, our thought is, you know, my main job is keep this guy alive, um, give him a good childhood. Um, obviously, we'll do you know, whatever we can to, to have a good time while doing it, but we don't want to kill ourselves doing it. Um, yeah. yeah. How do you think about schools? Are you like... Well, you know, yeah. everyone's gangsta until it comes time to apply to college, right? Right. Well, everyone's gangster until it starts, you know, they have to go to pub- to either public or private school and they got to, you know, you've got to say goodbye and take let them go to class all day. And then suddenly, you know, and I think a lot of the real estate arms races, it's so much is about school district. Oh, totally. Right. You it's, know, um, you know, public, yeah. public school district, uh, buying houses in a good school district is just paying tuition by another name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I bet you that there's almost like a certain market equilibrium here where it's like, okay, if you wanted to hack the system, you can't because it's like priced in versus mm-hmm. the price of like private, you know, private tuition. It's like all factored in, which was one of the things that I noticed um, when I was sort of in my engaged, mar- my first marriage, mm-hmm. engaged. Um, married and then now vaguely having ideas about having kids and stuff and then i was like looking at thinking about places to move in the suburbs because i was think i was like a suburban guy right i was like sure. yeah we're gonna move out of the city and raise raise kids in the suburbs and it just started i just started realizing how tightly everything was priced mm-hmm. and i was like you know I'm not going to no have alpha in like finding a really good deal in a really undervalued school district. Exactly. Like Impossible because it's yeah. like, so it, you know, the market is just so Everyone's like you. They're doing yeah, Everyone's homework. like me. Exactly. And I was like, you know, I, I don't think that I'm going to have a lot of as much degrees of freedom in this as I think I'm going to have, because I feel like, you know, I might have all these ideas about, how I'm going to do it. And then I'm just going to go into the market and realize, wait, there, there, <laughs> there's a very set prescribed path for me yeah. here, you know? And th- that, I got to say that that was one of the more, um, bi- one of the bigger fears that I had was that I would lose a lot of, uh, free will in terms of decision-making because the path, the, I, I, the, optimal path for me at my income level and you know my blah 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 is it's preset and i was there would be a whole host of friends agents whatever being like yeah man that's just the way to go do it that way and and it would be a lot it would be a heavy lift to to go against what everyone would be telling me is the sure shot does that make sense you know like and not only that right each step along the way you know there are a bunch of people that can take their bite Right. So mm-hmm. if you're staying in the city, you know, you have to pay p- private school tuition from, you know, K to whatever, uh, something ridiculous. And then you're applying to college and then you have to pay the college tuition. And now, you know, you get these articles um, about p- parents paying consultants and things like that just to get into college to have the privilege to pay college tuition. Yeah. Right. So it's like yeah. it's like you're just passing all these toll booths that are set up and you're like, well, I'm already got this far. So. Yeah. Yeah. It just that that was it just started to feel like um and then i actually had literally had um a discussion with my two bosses my boss and then his boss we were sitting around drinking whiskey at work on a on you know like on a friday or whatever it was kind of tradition and i had just gotten there and and um you know was, was kicking ass when i first got there and so they invited me to have you know sort of like you know big boy drinks or whatever and my boss said, "Hey, you know, you're you're married now." I said, "Yeah, you know, a couple of years." And he was like, "When are you going to have kids?" And I was like, "I don't know." I, I you know, I was like, "We've talked about it, but 
not nothing, no imminent, no urgency right now. And he said, well, and then his boss chimed in and said, we like kids here. We like kids because that's how I get you by the balls. And then, <laughs> and then my boss said to him or said to me, yeah, he's got me by the balls. And then they, they toasted each other on, on the basis of having been caught by his balls <laughs> and then they took a drink and then i was like jesus christ i mean what am i saying yeah i was like i got guys you're not supposed to say this out loud are you you know what i mean like i thought this was like some some deep cover fucking corporate deep, you know like shenanigans that you don't talk about but no they were just open with it like yeah no we find guys that have um kids to be more dependable like they don't just take off you know and I was like, okay, well, okay, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I'm, I was saying, I wasn't like mad or anything. I was like, okay, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And then part of me was like, Jesus, that's horrifying, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's um... and cynical as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird when you when it's when it, when it's a boss conversation, right? It is super weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things. So, like, you were talking about, you feel like you're once you have kids, you're kind of stuck on this, you know, suburban professional managerial class kind of expectation in terms of your lifestyle, where you live, how are you going to raise your kid? What kind of schools are you going to send them? That whole thing. Right. Um, and yeah, I take that seriously. Um, I think that, well, look, let's, let's just call a spade a spade. It's a scam, right? The whole darn thing is a scam. Yes. Um, it's based on extracting as much as possible from each step. Uh, there's multiple players, so it's not even one guy trying to extract as much as he can. Um, there's multiple players trying to extract you at each step. Yeah, it's a protection and, racket, and the target and the and the victim is your own kid. You know, that's that's what it feels like. You're it, like, yeah, you want your kid up. to have a nice, you want your kid to have a nice education, right? Sure, would be a shame if something were to happen to his career, right? Yeah, exactly. But you know, and so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know. Like it's two months old. I can't. I, I don't want to talk big right now, but we tr we're going to try to go a different path as much as you can. And I think that's you know all the parents that I've seen that have had you know big families successfully have been weird in some way. What does that mean to you? Go in a different direction. Like what does that well, actually mean in terms of? Here's like... what we're thinking right now. So, uh, well, let's back it up, right? So, what is the what is the goal, right, of all this struggle right, in the first 18 years? It's all about like, getting into a good college, right? That's what people really care about. That's what people are paying six figures to consultants yeah. to try to make happen. Mm -hmm. Well, why do people care about college? It's obviously not about the learning, right? You can, you can, you know, go online. You can take Harvard Extension School, right, which is sort of Harvard, but not really, depending on who you listen to. Um, but certainly has all the all the classes, all the all the book learning. Uh, no, like what you're getting out of college is basically two things. One is a, a, a piece of paper, right? A diploma that says, you know, this person graduated from Harvard, uh, the real Harvard, and that helps you get jobs, supposedly. Um, and maybe the other thing is something like, you know, networking, um, partying with uh, bright people of your age, right? Um, maybe finding a future husband or wife. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's basically it. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a class sorting. It's It's like a... It's it's a it's a class sorting inflection point. It's a, it's a, it's it's where kids learn sort of the trajectory to to a degree. I think it's I don't I don't I, I think it's overstated like how much it, how important it is to go to a top twenty five. Mm -hmm. But you know I th I think the view of it is that it's one of the core sort of. You, you, have you ever seen like Starship Troopers? Do you ever sure. seen that movie? You know when they get their test, you know that's like a that's the this yeah they take that entrance exam and it's mm -hmm. it's almost like one of those Asian entrance exam type things and then you get your number it's a very public number and then it tells you what division of the military you're gonna go serve in and that determines your rank in society like it has feelings of that I don't know if it's as strict as that but I think it feels like it has that feeling I think there's something to it right I think yeah. there's something that if we were to really upend the system in a in a way that generated more abundance and made it easier for people to get jobs, I think a lot of people would be really upset. Remember when um, code academies were this big thing? You know, you go to coding yeah. school and then you can get a job at a big. People mm -hmm. were pissed about this. Um, who, who was pissed about this? Higher education folks. Ah, right. Mm -hmm. Like they're 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 not getting a well-rounded education. We need people with humanities to in, in technology to make sure things are ethical. Um, <laughs> and then now we see all these humanities yeah, right. professors plagiarizing each other, and so on. So 
you know, I'm not sure how well that worked out. But yeah, I mean, someone, someone, the the way that college is going, you know, people talk about, oh, well, what do we have as alternatives to college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people are trying to start like the University of Austin, this like anti-woke university or whatever. That's not going to work. The thing that's going to break college is when there's some sort of economic boom where we need workers. We don't care if you went to a good school or not. Um, if you're bright and you show up, we're willing to train you. Then who, who the heck needs to basically um, buy a fancy, the equivalent of a fancy car every year in tuition, right? And just drive it into a brick wall uh, once a year for four years. Um, just uh, just go and get a job. Yeah, I think that's honestly the big thing. But the flip side is, you know, as long as it's not the case, as long as it's, you know, jobs are relatively, you know, you got to compete for them. Um, I think it's going to be very hard to say, well, you know, who needs college anyway? I'm just going to send my kid to trade school or whatever. But don't you find this whole discussion that we're having kind of weird in the sense that, oh, is that your baby? <laughs> so I, I heard wake that. up. Want to cute. take a break? Yeah, sure. I think we're going to probably uh, have to right. feed a little bit. And I'll we'll uh, right pause and then um, just hit me up on. Uh... Okay, sorry. So, so you're um, you're done with your feeding the the feeding break. Back. Tummy is full. Life is good. Excellent. All right. So I think we were t- we were talking about. <clears throat> I think I was saying something along the lines of like, you know, it's just, it's just kind of like. <clears throat> not sad but like uh it's it's revealing that so many conversations about um children babies even two months olds um so quickly go to this issue of like future employment um college and uh you know and i'm just as guilty as anyone of steering it in that direction but that's where my mind immediately goes and uh i don't know that just to me points to a certain kind of like few like a a certain kind of like anxiety that a lot of us have about secure like parenting as essentially nothing much more than oh, i don't want to say nothing much more but like essentially at its core about securing the status of your child in future you know i think that's a very natural urge right parents do care about you know their kids future uh whether it's a a farming society or a post-industrial one like ours Um, but i think there is something really kind of corrupted about the way that that process works in today's society um and it wasn't always this way right we had there was a period where there were modern universities and um you know industrial standard, you know, modern standard of living, but it wasn't this kind of crazy rat race. So, you know, James Watson, right, the guy who discovered DNA um, was kind of a slacker in college, actually. Um, And he picked up this book called, you know, What is Life? Which is about like some of the open questions in biology and it got really fired up. It's like, all right, I'm going to go to grad school. And he went to uh, one of the the top tier grad schools in the Midwest and uh, sort of took off from there. The rest is history. And you couldn't do that today, right? You have to have had, first of all, you have to have gotten into a good school to begin with. Um, and then you had to just have this track record of you know, research achievement, showing interest and that sort of thing. And there is a sense in which we're missing out on um, a lot of talent simply because we're selecting so hard for people who are willing to jump through it one, one after another in a very long series of hoops. Um, so the way that I've been thinking about it, and again, like we're super early in this journey, so I don't want to uh, make big promises before we actually got anywhere, is, you know, I think this is a scam. We've got to figure out ways around it. And what we're thinking so far is, so my wife is one of five, uh, so she's got four siblings, and everyone's having kids right now. It's like every six months we hear another baby announcement. So right as of right now, we're going to have uh, six kids within three years of each other. So we'll have a neighborhood gang, basically. Are they all like close by? They're all uh, close by. One, one of them moved away for work, um, but it's probably going to be back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been, and I've in particular, have been really trying to steer us towards like trying to stick in the same neighborhood um, so that we can do some interesting things. Smart. One of these interesting things is um, me trying to do a family school 
So, you know, in our city, uh, public schools aren't so great. Um, you can buy your way into private schools. You can try to buy your way into these really small uh, suburban neighborhoods with good schools. Um, but what if we did something like homeschooling, but not with one family, but with an extended family? So that way you don't need so many, uh, you know, you can spread the work among more adults and uh, the kids will automatically play with each other. So they're not gonna be like locked up at home and weird and antisocial, right? And um, it just seems like a natural fit where you can get a lot of learning done and you can get a lot more freedom and exploration. And that's the other thing that we want to do, which is expose them to the real world early. One of our, um, one of the siblings owns a restaurant. So, you know, throw them in there, man, you know? Um, when they're old enough, you know, have them like wait tables, but also look at the books of the restaurant. Like how does a small business work? Make this something that is really real to them. I think one thing that education does really badly is it makes everything about book learning. It's very abstracted and you don't get a sense of what does the real world of work look like? You just cocooned in this bubble with other kids the whole day and you don't have a sense of what the real world looks like. You ever seen those surveys where it's uh, they ask kids, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it's like astronaut and YouTuber, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, you know, part, you, you can say, look at that and say, ha look at those stupid Zoomers. Um, but I think there's something real there, right? Because at least you know what a YouTuber is. You could see yourself, what what is the path to being a YouTuber? But could you see your path to, you know, what is it like to be um, an engineer or what my wife is, is like an FDA regulatory consultant, uh, helping mm -hmm. startups get their stuff through FDA approval. Like no one's going to know that. Um, so that's another thing that we want to do is just expose our kids to the, the real world of work early, get them, get their heads thinking about, hey, you know, what's kind of interesting to do in the world. Um, and in that way, maybe bypass some of the credentialing and some of the kind of wheel spinning in higher education. If we're talking about you know, if education is about thinking about careers, why not just think about careers? Mm, yeah, yeah, fair. You know, it's it's so interesting because it's like, in a way, this is there's like a homesteading aspect to like that idea. And you're, I, this is not. And we're the doing first this in a big city, but yeah, right. Like, no, but there that's, is a the, that's, yourself. The, that's the crazy thing. It's homes. Yeah. You know, you think you would think like normally this would be, you know, an idea that people would have if they were out in the you know on the frontier or some shit. Little house but, on the prairie style. Yeah, but like the infrastructure, the educational system is so broken in our big cities that you kind of have to adapt like homesteading ideas to life in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just I don't know, that that's a real commentary on on the status on the on the state of uh of the schools, you know. Or you could go at it from the other direction, right? So instead of saying build your own, you could say, Well, at least don't make uh, you know, the public school or college the end all and be all of your life. Right. So we have some friends here who um, they're from Taiwan and every summer they pull their kids out of school early in May uh, because they want to go back to Taiwan and have their kids in like this summer camp program, get some language enrichment, go around, you know, eat good food. Um, kids have a great time. But to do that, it takes a certain amount of disrespect towards the public school system. Right? It's, oh, that's truancy. You know, you're pulling your yeah. kid out. They're going to fall behind. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I think that's a very healthy degree of thinking, no, this is. School is not our authority. School is a public service um, that we can optionally use to educate our kids, but we can also just do parts of it ourselves if we want to. I'm glad people are thinking that way, you know, because you're, it really is a problem, I think, to and, – and, and I say this in hindsight because that is how I came up through the system, right? Is Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, yeah, like I think here. you probably – yeah, you probably sure that a lot of us were, came. I was up a good this Asian way. kid, man. Asian Pretty kid, and, and I think frankly there was more trust in the system. Um, I, I don't know how old you are, but we're, we're, we're probably not too far. Thirties, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we grew up probably in a in a roughly similar era, and uh, you know, I, you know, I think there was a lot more trust in the system back then. And especially if you come in from the outside, you don't see the cracks from the inside. Yeah, and um, that's true. Though, though, I would say, I mean, I, I actually did have a pretty pretty nice you know uh experience i don't know what your experience was but my experience in the public school system was pretty good i mean i didn't i, yeah, I look I back think, and you know, on people, it and say i have friends only like, everyone oh, man, it was like being in jail or something i don't i didn't feel like that i mm -hmm. felt like the worst thing that i could say about high school is maybe i could have done a lot more with my time if i'd been a little mm -hmm. smarter in directing it yeah um but i don't think it was like an awful experience or something i the reason that i have for trying to do something else from school isn't to 
yeah, avoid a horrible experience. It's to try to give a better experience. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, looking back, uh, I would say that <clears throat> the way I, the way that my mind developed through just I don't even know how to put this in words, but basically it was like a lifelong a lifelong practice of a certain kind of obedience without a lot of i would say um personal autonomy or sovereignty yeah and and and, and to this day i still have a hard time thinking of myself as a free and sovereign person that can make choices and so my life decision making has always been extremely constrained and i in fact i don't really feel comfortable g going um, outside of you know pretty narrow prescribed uh, pathways, um, the 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 one big one that I decided against was having kids. <laughs> and I think now yeah. now that we're talking about it, I think maybe it's not totally unrelated. You know. <laughs> well, on the other hand, though, I mean, I think I think that's part of a trend too, right? Um, a lot of people are thinking that way, or at least a lot of people are not having kids. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I still think you. I still think most people either want to or end up do having kids. That that's been my personal experience. That it's rare. I mean, people will be. I mean, I've known people to be very anti kids until they start hitting their late thirties, and suddenly they are like panicky, and they're like, "Well, oh, well, we're we having a kid." You know, like <laughs> it's it's hard to really stay the path. You know, uh, I mean, I've I've uh, you know I've thought about it, and um, in fact. Uh, you know, to be honest, like if, if, if my wife was like, yeah, I really want to have kids, I'd probably do it. But, um, no. all right, Shane, we're counting on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, she's, she's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine being the center of attention. I don't care. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is, I don't know how to put it, but like, I would like to see, um, kids being encouraged from a young age to have a more sovereign mindset than that than you get from looking at school and all these things as sort of like almost like a you know almost like a like some kind of game show kind of thing with rules and 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 it's like and there's a political aspect early, and you've got to way behind the game yeah and you've got to you've got to learn to please people and you got to do this and then i just look later in life and i'm like look at the outcome of this I think is some pretty terrible personalities in my opinion. And yeah, my thinking is the earlier you bail, um, the better the outcome kind of is, right? If I you're going to bail so. later on, you might as well bail early. I think so. I think so. Because for me personally, like I don't think I, I expected anything from my parents other than to set me up with a good foundation uh, for like how to deal with life. You know, it's not like I needed them to help get me into school or help fight, figure out what I wanted to do for a living or, you know, no, they didn't need any of those guarantees. I mean, I, I didn't need any of those guarantees from them, but what I think adults look back on our parents, I think a lot of us are just like, yeah, probably the most important thing is to build up some sort of like attitudinal foundation. You know, it's not even just like, yeah, it's building up a certain kind of attitude and a set of principles to live by or something that will I be robust that. enough for you to be, you know, an adapt like an adaptable and tough human being basically. Do you feel like you parents know? are doing that? No, I don't. Yeah. I think yeah. I I just don't think that they have the time or or the they they just don't have the they're just too fucking tired, I think, you know? They're just they're just jumping through too many hoops and they don't really they can't step back and think about the big picture maybe. I don't know. I'm being I hate it when I say this cuz I feel like I'm judging people who are doing something that is much harder than what I'm doing, but I do feel that way a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, you were talking about, you know, you wish that you were a little you grew up with a little bit more independence and, you know, the ability to kind of go in your own direction and school cut against that, right? And I think that's a great value. I think that's, you know, if you're talking about parents setting their kids up with attitudes to, to set them up for life, I think that's definitely one. But imagine how disruptive it would be if you were telling your kid thing, what we're talking about right now, you know, school is kind of a scam. 
it doesn't really teach you about the real world. Um, you should cut class if you find something better to do. Um, mm. how, how disruptive would that be? I don't think it's, you know, that's the thing. I don't think it would be that disruptive. I think, I think, I mean, it depends. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so based on, you know, I don't know. It, it depends on the kid, I guess. That's the easy answer. But like my, my real answer to that would be that having a certain level of um, awareness of the game actually helps keep your head in the game in a way because there's a like once you're told by your parents that school is a bit of a scam like you're not as scared of it yeah and i feel like it's that fear that keeps um kept me sort of in line and therefore not maybe exploring or figuring things out that i really wanted to do uh, that, and that I might be better at than I was doing. I don't know. I, I, this is very abstract. I can't even. I can't even really explain what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, no, I don't think that it would. I think. I think having a parent that's like, yo, you and I. Um, it's almost. It would almost feel like. Let's put it this way. It will. It would almost feel like school did not come in between me and my parents. To hear my parents criticize school would make me trust them more in a way. And yeah, it would also kind of lower the power that school had over me. And I think that actually might have been, made me more successful, not less, than um, at school, if that makes sense. Because you'd be more okay playing the game. Yeah. If you realized it was kind of kind of rigged, but you just got to do what you got to do. That, and then I would feel like that my parents weren't just enforcers of the school. Yeah. You know, like that they had my back and, and it was kind of me and them versus school rather than them standing behind school and school was being pushed, you know, the primary force in my life. And my parents were just like, yeah, just let me see the report cards. And if they're good, you know, keep, keep, keep obeying your master. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I that know, would man. be lovely I just think that to if have, we had, if we to have had... a conspiracy with your kids. Do you know what I mean? For sure. That would be lovely. I, mean, I think every family should be, a. I think every marriage should be a conspiracy. Yes. I think every, every, Family should be a conspiracy. Absolutely. I think G.K. Chesterton said something like, you know, the family is the one true anarchist institution. Yeah. It comes before the state. The state cannot interfere in it. Well, it should be that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it should be that way. Um, and 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 I, I mean, I had elements of that, too. I don't want to say my parents. You know, I, I had pretty cool parents, I mean, in, in this regard. Um, so I'm, I'm speaking more um, archetypically. Uh, in terms of how I think a lot of parents are, and um, so this is well like empirically, a... right? Most parents are not yeah. pulling their kids out of school to go to summer school in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. teachers would be pissed if that was twenty percent, fifty percent of their kids. Yeah, um, yeah. And we don't see that. And, so... and you know, I think a lot of what what people do say about one of the big downsides and one of the fears of people like me who don't have kids is like, well, what about later in life you know yeah. like and i and and my 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 honest impression of that uh is that you know most grown adults i know really don't really pay much attention to the elderly parents right so i'm like yeah i don't think I, but i think that might be because of that lack of family conspiracy mm -hmm. where they they just they seem so alienated because they let institutional uh, demands and institutional um, control come between them and their parents, and their parents perhaps um, encourage that themselves. I think there's a yeah. lot of psyops, yeah, mm -hmm. um, against the family, and I think yeah. not in the kind of you know war on Christmas kind of thing. But just think about things like, um, and I, you know, I don't want to point fingers one way. I think there's kids dropping the ball. I think there's parents dropping the ball. Um, I think there's parents and kids dropping the ball. But you know, think about things like, you know, parents say, well, you know, I'm just going to spend down, um, you know, my earnings in Florida, and just sort of do my own thing. And my kids, you know, I raise them until they're 18 and they're good. You know, mm -hmm. I've done my yeah. part. Yeah. And, and vice versa, right? Like kids saying, well, you know. Um, you know, my parents are, uh, you know, all these kind of racist, regressive type people, and I've just cut them off, right, over political disagreement, let's say. Um, 
all this business about, you know, every Thanksgiving, there's these op-eds about like how to win the argument with your racist uncle at Thanksgiving. I'm like, why are we having an argument with your racist uncle at Thanksgiving? Yeah. You know, he's yeah. your, he's your racist uncle. He's not your racist uncle. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a friend who, uh, was telling me, you know, his mom was always kind of, you know, a little free with money and she would always tell him, oh, well, you know, you can't take it with you. And I said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then he hit his thirties. I was like, wait a minute, what am I? Yeah. I can take it. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So there's just yeah. not this generational thinking. And I do think there's a lot of life, in, especially in a place like America, where a lot of these kind of public services, whether it's, you know, schools or whether it's nursing homes, you know, they're kind of parasitic. They're kind of not really doing what they say on the label. Um, there's a lot of advantages in having a multi-generational conspiracy playing on co-op mode. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's the... Um... I really believe that that is the origin of the zombie uh, apocalypse myth that we mythos that we love so much in this country. Same one is is that um, there, it's a deep, I think, almost subconscious recognition that the world is tearing the family apart or or atomizing the family, and that the zombie apocalypse format, that genre, is is actually like a family genre. Right, they're almost always about families that are surviving um, some sort of horrible zombie apocalypse, and how does this family come together and support each other and learn to trust each other and go through basically an adventure together and 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 literally become you know a conspiracy or or literally become a, a tactical squad. <laughs> Right, you know, and you against and, the world, yeah, and I think it's and very, like the bratty you know, teenage son finally shapes up and you know pulls his weight, yeah, and the kind of checked out dad, you know, suddenly realizes he has to be the protector, and yeah, and yeah. And, and literally sacrifices himself, you know, at some a lot of times the fa the father dies, sure, um, to to um to protect the family, and they the the, the children see this and understand the depth of that uh <clears throat> of that relationship, and 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 I think that. There, it's actually a very wholesome genre to me, despite the gore and all the you know the the cheap horror of it. Like, ultimately, these are family fantasies, and the fact that they're taking the form of something as like zombie apocalypse, I think, shows the some sort of like cultural awareness at some level of how deep this problem goes that we would be this dramatic about it. <laughs> you know? That's what it takes, right, to, to have us pull together. Yeah. But the yeah. other thing is, you know, once the zombies take over, you don't have to worry about college tuition. You know, all the stuff that yes. we were just talking about exactly. goes out the window. Yeah, none of it matters. It's just pure survival mode and, you know, let's get to the next day. And I think in a way, and this is, you know, this goes back to what we were, ta we were, we were talking about initially, is like, well, look, you know, look, you know, look at, look at, um, you're, I'm saying, oh, you know, parents are have to deal with all this shit now. And you were saying, well, look, back in the day, I mean, there was, child, like, you literally had to celebrate the child's 100th birthday, uh, 100th day, because that meant that they were likely going to survive. Think how bad it was back then. And then I'm like, yeah, but we're having fantasies about going back to that, because <laughs> I think part of the, part of it is like our minds, there's a part of our brain or something, you know, that really likes survival mode like really likes taking it day by day moment by moment and just really fucking trying to figure shit out like in that moment you know using what's around you and 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 just being deeply embedded into reality versus um i think a feeling that uh again i'm mining my own personal experiences here but feeling like you're lost in these abstract fucking games that are not of any real importance to you. I mean, nothing that I do at work, for example, has anything to do with my life. It's pure service. I'm a butler to capital, right? That's what I do. Um, sure. And, and uh, you know, I think the idea of taking your loved ones, your wife, your children, having two shotguns crisscrossing on your back <laughs> and going around and just, you know, shooting zombies that endanger them is not a horror movie. It's a fantasy. 
you know, no. I hope that, yeah, I think that you might be right. I hope that you're not right in the sense that we need a zombie apocalypse to get us back to back on track. A zombie but apocalypse movie, but yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I think that you're right, that it's basically a mindset thing, right? So mm-hmm. in the zombie movie, you have a completely different conception of value mm-hmm. um, than you do in everyday life. And, you know, my, uh, my, my sort of intellectual interest has always been in Confucianism and how does that apply to our sort of, uh, you know, our American context. And, you know, maybe we don't need the, the zombie mo- movie, maybe we don't need the zombie apocalypse, but maybe we need something like the zombie mindset, right? What is family for? Is family just uh, a box on the spreadsheet and you try to make the number go up? Um, or does family have intrinsic value regardless of what it does to your balance sheet? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the Confucian conception of family has always been something like, you know, um, having kids is not about ROI. It's not even about happiness per se. Like, it's not like a momentary happiness kind of thing. Like, when I'm changing diapers, I'm not having the time of my life, right? But it's something like, what? You know, it's the furtherance of your family. It's the glory uh, of your family and, uh, you know, respect to your ancestors. And it's also your it's also power, right? It's the power to reshape the future. Um, I'm putting a person that will outlive me into the world. And um, this is something that I could have not done. And this is an impact that, um, you know, barring accidents or anything like that, um, that can't really be taken away. You know, it's a very democratic thing. The poorest man can have a kid. Yeah. Um, the richest man's not going to have that many more kids, uh, doesn't matter how many mistresses he has, right? Yeah, I, I, I really think that you're on to something here. I really do because once your kid is, I can't believe I'm starting to advocate homeschooling because I, I never yes. really, I've, I've never really thought about it. I've always been thought that that was the, the, the domain of sort of religious zealots, you know? And, sure. but now that I think about it, because I have seen, you know, my nephews go through school and I've seen, you know, that the effects of that. And, you know, I, I just think that you lose them. You know, I really think that mm-hmm. there's something happens where you, you're relinquishing custody of them to, to a large extent. Not to not just from the hours of, you know, whatever, what ungodly hour do they go to school? Seven? <laughs> Seven, something like that. Something yeah. insane, you know, before the sun comes up. I don't know why we still do that. But uh, you're not just the school hours, but, you know, the whole cons- the, their whole framework. Re- the whole framework, life. yeah. The whole orbit, yeah. the whole your orbital path, um, is they are ripped out of the orbital path of the family and into, um, you know, they're 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 they, you know, elementary school is almost like, you know, the incubator, um, for the mega corporation or government agency that they'll be working for when they're fully matured, you know, like it's, I, I can see that. I could see the, the, the direct path from that first day at school all the way to um, sort of the terminal end point of their education, and then introduction into um, wage employment. And you know this is really- so obviously fucking true and normal mm-hmm. and universal that nobody thinks to question it. But I do think it's a problem. <laughs> I think it's a totally revolutionary idea, right? If you told um, anyone from hundreds of years ago that children basically belong to the state, not their parents, yeah. mm-hmm. um, riot. that's like a, that's a messed up, you know, that's a really totalitarian thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, who's really attuned to this actually. Um, so I, partic- I'm personally, am not a particularly religious guy, but um, mm. like conservative Christians, right? They're, they're feeling the brunt of this. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And you know they're the ones that are really riled up. Maybe not. Why the are most... they? Fe- why, but why are they feeling the brunt of it? I would think that a lot of people would understand this. No. Well, I think they have just these very salient hot button issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's uh, whether it's you know anything from creationism to, to same sex marriage to transgender, you know, all these hot button issues where um, you know, teachers and teachers unions tend to be very far on the left uh, side of the spectrum, and they just happen to be on the opposite side. And they're the ones that are noticing, hey, our kids are coming home saying things that are not what we, uh, we the parents, believe. I see. They're just, like very inco- they're, they're, they're just culturally very incompatible with They're canary in the coal mine. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I, think, I think it's true of a lot of people. They just don't realize it because it's not as hot button an issue. 
um, I was, you know, I was a little bit involved with school board politics. You know, I'm interested in homeschooling, but, um, you know, be, let's be realistic. Homeschooling takes time. I think it would be a much better thing to make public schools better than to have to spend your effort to make your own, um, but probably we'll have to make our own. But I was, you know, I was a little involved with the school board election this past year in, in my local township. And one of the items on the debate was there was this debate about, oh, you know, what kind of books are appropriate in the school library? And so you had your Republican candidates, you had your Democrat candidates. And, you know, the Republican candidates, were, oh, you know, there's all this stuff that we, we don't think is uh, sort of wholesome that's on the school shelves. And, you know, we're not saying ban all books forever, but maybe that shouldn't be in our school library, right? And uh, the Democrat candidates, you know, it would be one thing. I would be okay if the Democrats candidates said, no, I think this is fine. You know, as a parent, like this is this is stuff that I think it's important for our kids to be exposed to. They're going to be facing the wider world. And by my values, this is something that they should uh, be dealing with in school. But that's not what they said. What they said was, we have very expert school librarians with PhDs, and that's their domain oh, to decide flex, what's in school. Yeah, they flex the authority on you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the attitude. That's the attitude. Maybe that's part of why I feel like there's growing awareness and consciousness of this is that they're going a little mask off with the authoritarianism. Um, whereas I feel like before, I feel like the decline of the meritocracy is part of this too, because. What's more important, it seems like meritocracy is not really that important to the institutions. It is to a point. I mean, they still want like literate, smart, high IQ people, et cetera, et cetera, to go, you know, man the levers and stuff, right? Um, but it's not like really strict meritocracy in the sense like we need the absolute best. More important to them is attitudinal. Um, attitudinal matches attitude matches behavioral matches yeah and uh that 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 i think is part of the big reason why meritocracy is in decline and um you know you know who used to do this a lot i'm sure they still do it are are like police um uh police police mm -hmm. forces that were hiring and i know a lot of people that were like you know really well qualified and they really wanted to be cops and they were fit, like super fit, like way fitter than the fat cops you see walking, you know, <laughs> driving around or whatever. And super smart and, you know, whatever. And super dedicated, super conscientious. But there was something about their and, – and, you know, you would get the results of the test. And they would pass with flying colors, every one of them, except um, the psychological. Oh, they had bad personalities? They had bad personalities, yeah. And, you know, later when I was talking to people about it, they were like, oh, yeah, they're looking for a certain personality type. There's like a certain kind of, I don't know, some some personality type. I don't know what it's called, but it's a, it's a kind of authoritarian personality that they're looking for. And it has nothing to do with how many pull-ups you can do or how you do on the Wonderlick test or whatever the fuck they do, you know, like, or or whether what kind of grades you got. They don't give a shit. They want to make sure that you're um, a, um, a personality fit. And, and I think that that has sort of become the bigger game now is personality fit and it's not a particularly good personality profile in my opinion you know it it, it unless you're in charge and you want people that don't rock the boat exactly exactly but that's not the way up to the big the you know the 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 tower you know what i mean like that there the whatever path it takes to get up there first of all i don't think there is a path because I think it's a gerontocracy, and these are these are people who are wanting to hold on to their position until the day they die. I mean, literally, like we have politicians in their mid eighties who look like they're about to die, and then they die, like in office, you know, like Feinstein, you know, or I don't know, if, is Mitch McConnell even alive anymore? Is that considered alive? <laughs> I don't matter. know. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not sure that that's even considered alive. Um, you seen that movie, The Death of Stalin? No one wants to go I did, in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I remember yeah. that. The satire, mm -hmm. yeah, and you know he, he croaks and has a heart attack, but no one wants to be the first one to go in there because what if he's still alive and they'll be pissed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Re -re yeah, you know, I'm, it's funny that you bring up Stalin because that it's totally American Stalinism, <laughs> you know, um, and 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 the result is is not it. 
you know, it's this, I don't know. It's, it's not a race that I think you want to win. Let's put it that way. You know, I don't think you want to win the grand prize here. I think it's a pretty shitty thing to win. And I look, I think the, I think the evidence for me anyway, was looking at this, this, the models of success that were planted in front of me to say, Hey, if you do really well, you'll be like these people. And when I met those people, I felt zero passion or I felt zero desire to become those people. I felt the opposite. I was like, it was a little bit of a revulsion. I felt guilty for it because they weren't bad people per se. They weren't. But I was like, I don't want to be like you. Like, I don't want your life. I don't want to end up like you. (laughs) You I know you You make good money, dude, but like, I don't want to be like you. You're fucking weird. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, um, this is not the first time something like this has happened. Mm hmm. You know, Chinese history uh, oh, sure, have yeah. all these dynasties, right? That mm-hmm. you know, they start out great, they're expanding, they're promoting, you know, uh, talented commoners, best and brightest, get up there, and then eventually, you know, you have you still have the exam system, but it becomes kind of corrupt. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of know someone on the inside. You kind of have to know what the fads are, you know, what kind of poetry they like, mm-hmm. and it just becomes a bunch of, you know, it becomes a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you had multiple cycles of this, and so we're not the first people to to really grapple with this. Oh no, I don't think so at all. But I do think that this is something new for most of us, like in living memory. Like, yeah. this is a this is a thing of first impression for, like, say you and me and our generation and the generation before. I think hasn't really seen this before because I do think that when we're going through, um, it's funny how we're talk. We went from talking about. Your two your two month old now to like economic issues, <laughs> but but uh, but the baby see babies bring it all together, man. Um, Little when, the future. I mean, yeah, it's so it's amazing. They're like little, care. I I see them and I'm just like they're they're like little fractals of the entire universe, you know. Um, the the I think when there is a lot of legitimate economic growth and. Um, development going on that you need hard meritocracy yeah right because you're like look man you gotta do you know you like either you're gonna let people in the manhattan project on quota right yeah exactly you know or and and everything was like that like just building out the infrastructure and you know whatever and um now i feel like now that it's slowed down the name of the game is for the olds the people that are um in positions of power to now start purging <laughs> and creating like what i would consider almost like a like a eunuch class like like I, I feel like a lot of what's going on they're looking for attitudinal fits which is people who obey people who are loyal people who are super conscientious mm-hmm. and who will not challenge their superiors and because know. the opportunities are less and less they can be pickier and pickier like, it's all right. They're not going to yeah. run out of candidates. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's, you know, when there's a shrinking pie, that's just kind of how it is. Um, you, you know, there was a guy in uh, in the Ming Dynasty called Wang Yangming, um, a pretty big name in uh, Confucian philosophy. And actually, <laughs> so I guess I can share on the podcast, you know, so we named our son uh, Ming Yang. It's a kind of a tip of the hat to, to this guy. And, um, you know, one thing that he was once asked to write a preface to a book of um, essays that got the top score on the on the imperial exam. So be, a test prep book, basically, right? So an mm-hmm. SAT prep book. And so uh, he was asked to write the preface. And so imagine this, like you get your, you know, your Kaplan or your Princeton review and you crack open the cover. And the first thing that he says is, look, studying to become an official, like passing these exams has nothing to do, like technically it's Conf- Confucian or whatever. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with actual Confucian virtue. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is if you want to, um, exercise your ideas on the biggest possible stage, right? If you want to make an impact on the world with your, you know, with your ideas, then you kind of have to do what you have to do. And so, you know, I'm going to hold my nose and tell you how to do this. But what I'm going to tell you is you have to first decide that you want to be a true Confucian sage. You have to really care about, you know, um, doing good to your neighbor, doing good in the world, serving the state uh, before you start to study to pass exams. And, you know, I think that's the tension that we wrestle with every day, right? So I don't I don't like to climb the ladder. I don't like the kind of people that end up at the top. I think it selects for the wrong kind of people. 
But on the flip side, you know, do we have um, a better alternative? I'd like to think there is. I'd like to think that, you know, you can kind of carve your own path. You can kind of chart, chart your own career that doesn't require climbing these ladders. But it might, you know, we could live in a world in which um, we are kind of stuck, you know. Um, but how do we keep our virtue? This is the end of part one of a two-part podcast. As usual, the second part will be available to our Patreon supporters. If you want to consider joining and get access to bonus pods and the Discord, go to patreon.com slash planamag. Thank you.